What's going on, Chuckleheads? I am Carlo Guadagnino. This is the Dingo Talk Alumni Tour. My guest this week is class of 1985's Evelyn Del Cerro, four-time Emmy winner, the 2012 Kerasi Lecter, uh, worked with the likes of Peter Jennings and Regis Philbin, amongst other things. She's going to tell her entire story, well, as much as she can get in this time frame. But without further ado, I'm going to let Evelyn tell her story. What's going on, Chuckleheads? I am Carlo Guadagnino. This is the Dingo Talk Alumni Tour. My guest this week is Evelyn Del Cerro, class of 1985. Uh, Evelyn, thank you very much for being on the show. Of I course, thank you for having me. For you. I don't have tea because, you know, I still haven't figured out the whole passing it through the camera thing, but we're, it's 2021, anything's possible. <laughs> cool, I'm cool with that. So we're going to do this the way we do it every week, Chuckleheads. Evelyn's going to tell us everything from 1981 and her arrival in Bethany to 2021 and what she's doing today um there'll be a break in there somewhere we'll talk to kj we'll talk to harry we'll you know we got to get everybody in there but um 1981 so i know there's a funny story of coming down 88 and into bethany yeah uh well you know i uh bethany wasn't my original choice um I had uh, planned uh, to go to either Emerson or Syracuse. So I had yep. been accepted into both and I was really planning to go to both. And, uh, you know, I played varsity um, softball uh, for in four years in high school. And uh, our uh, coach had told us senior year that we all had to go to the seniors on the team, had to go to this college fair at Lehman College up in the Bronx. And, um, so I kind of said, well, look, I already know where I'm going. I don't really want to go. And she's like, you don't go, you don't play. So it was kind of like, okay, I guess I'm going, you know, yeah, so reluctantly, right. Reluctantly went to college fair, um, you know, like a, you know, typical, uh, 17 year old kid, just not interested in anything. Didn't really go to any tables and just walking around because I had to be there. And um, I, I, my eyes got attracted to this table. You know, back then, this is, we're talking before the internet, before, you know, uh, email and all this stuff. So college fairs, basically, they just had pictures of the campus and like little booklets they gave out, you know. And um, my eyes kind of got drawn to this green tablecloth because like green's my favorite color, you know. And um, I'm just like looking at these pictures of this, you know, campus, uh, beautiful, beautiful pictures of Old Main and Commencement Hall. And uh, the guy who was uh, uh, working the table, he was actually an alum himself, uh, come to find out later. <laughs> but he's like, he yelled out to me, so what are you interested in studying? And I was like, no, man, I'm cool. You know, I already know where I'm going. He's like, well, what are you going to study? I said, I want to study radio, you know, because that was what I wanted to do back then. And uh, he's like, uh, uh, well, we, we've got a radio station at Bethany. And I was like, yeah, no, I'm, I think I'm going to go to Syracuse or Emerson, you know, and I told him, but the only thing was, you know, I had found out that uh, as a freshman, you know, you couldn't be on the radio station because they were both big schools. So like freshmen would just observe. And so I mentioned that to him and he's like, oh, he's like at Bethany, by the time you're a sophomore, you could be running the radio station, you know, Which so down the road you are. <laughs> so of course that piqued my interest I walked a little closer to the table you know and um uh you know what he nobody neglected to tell me though was, was that WVBC was a 10 watt radio station which 
basically made it like a campus PA system, you know, <laughs> once you got past the Gresham house, you weren't catching it, you know, no. uh, but, uh, I, you know, it piqued my interest. I took some pamphlets home and, uh, you know, I decided uh, last minute, I thought, you know, small class sizes, you know, I, I went to a really large urban, you know, I, I, I was born in Manhattan. I went to move to the Bronx in like fourth grade. And my graduating class in high school was like 1200 students. Okay. So that's like, the, the campus, the faculty, and you throw in the townsfolk, you know? Down, Wellsburg, maybe grab some West Liberty people. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So, you know, I really like that. The class sizes were small. I found out they had a softball team. A couple of days later, I get a, I get a letter from the softball coach, you know, because, you know, fill out those little cards with everything you do in high school, you know? Mm -hmm. And uh, so I just decided, yeah, I think I'm going to, I think I'm going to go here. I told my mom, I think I'm going to go to the school in West Virginia. My mother's like, what? <laughs> West Virginia, you know, I, I'm the first person in my family to go to college. And so, um, you know, uh, I think she wanted me close by. Uh, and but, you know, when I, when I looked at these pictures of Bethany, it looked like what a college should look like, you know, mm -hmm. and um, I love tradition and all that. So all of that was really cool. Uh, so I decided last minute I applied, I got accepted and I decided, yeah, I think I'm going to go here, you know. So my mother drives me to Bethany, you know, uh, I hadn't gone to visit the campus. I didn't know. Yeah. I only thing I knew about Bethany was what the pictures in the book look like. Mm -hmm. you know? And, uh, we're on the Pennsylvania turnpike, you know, and I'm sitting up all excited. Like I can't wait to get to college, <laughs> you know? And, uh, all of a sudden we got onto route 88 and the whole mood changed. It was like, this road was like, whoop, 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 whoop. my mother's like, holding the wheel white knuckled like holding she's like i'll never forget she turned to me she's like evelyn i hope you like it here because i'm not coming back till graduation you know? <laughs> well, well, we and your mom has an interesting you know i had i had john cunningham on last week and he told a story of how when he first met you and he found out that i was having you on the show he told me a story about how he asked your mom what her what she was planning on studying yeah, yeah. We actually, I met him before I got to Bethany because it was an open house in New York at the home of uh, Tim Henningsen, uh, okay. Fletch. He's a, he's a beta. And um, yeah, he walked up to my mom at this open house and was like, hi, nice to meet you. What are you interested in studying? And my mother's like, uh, my daughter's the one. This, this is over here. <laughs> yeah, this one over here. And, and four years later, graduation, he came up to my mother. He's like, oh, Mrs. Del Cerro, I just want to say, I, I still remember that, you know, my mother's like, don't worry. It made her feel good, believe me, to be taken for a college student, you know. Well, but, uh, you get to Bethany. Yeah, so we so we pull into the town, you know, we turn on to 67 and uh, we get down there by Bubba's, we pass Bubba's, we get, and my mother's like, well, before we see this, you know, get you unpacked, let's, you know, check out the town. So we keep going straight and we go over the little bridge, we pass Campbell Mansion, we start seeing cows. My mother's like, I think that was the town. I'm like, no way, ma, no way. So we turn around, we come back and there's this guy standing outside of Chambers and uh, I asked him, I'm like, can you tell me like where the main town is? And he's like, you're looking at it. You're in it. <laughs> I was like, no way, man, no, this cannot be happening. So uh, I was just, I was like convinced like I made a huge mistake. Um, so we, we pull up to Phillips Hall and you know, the RAs that are there and they're helping unpack and everything. And I'll never forget this one guy asked me, he's like, so where are you from? I said, I'm from the Bronx, New York. And he's like, oh, 
you're the one who's rooming with the girl from Burbank, California. And I was like, you know, because back then you 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 got it, your roommate's name and you had to like write a letter. You know, I'm, this, we're talking ancient ancient history here, you know? You have papers um, too. Yeah, on paper with a stamp and, you know, the whole deal. So, uh, <laughs> so I was like, God, I, I just got here and they already know who I am. You know, it was really weird. But uh, my roommate was from Burbank, California. Her dad was a Bethanian. So, uh, you know, that's how she got there. Um, and we actually, we got along great. I think people thought it was gonna be the girl from the Bronx and the girl from Burbank were gonna like kill each other. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but she also played softball. She was our catcher. I played second base. So uh, we got along great. It was really, it was fantastic. So yeah, it was uh, I, the first three weeks, I would say in two words, culture shock. Because um, you're, you're coming from a city, you're coming from being in a class, just a, a class of 1200. Right. To, there's 1200 people just in this town as a whole. <laughs> right, right, exactly. And uh, I just, I didn't, um, you know, the whole, the whole being in the middle of the woods thing was kind of freaking me out too. Like my friends today from Bethany, I just saw a couple of them a couple of weeks ago, we went on a little weekend trip, uh, but they brought up a story about me walking down the hill and uh, a rabbit jumped out and ran across the path. And I like freaked out. Like I jumped like 10 feet in the air and they're like, what's going on? I'm like, there was something that ran across. And they're like, it was a rabbit. <laughs> just calm down it's not worried about it. yeah it's just a rabbit so it took me some time to adjust you know because i listen i you know i grew up like i said i grew up in the bronx um you know uh we didn't have much money i had never been further west than newark new jersey my entire life so you know even when i came home and i told people oh i go to school in west virginia they're like oh you know virginia beach is really nice or you get to, to go to dc and i'm like no 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 wrong it's another state. It's its own state. People over here in New York, they don't get that. Well, wait a minute. Now, I've been here since 2010, and I've met people from West Virginia that tell me that they're Virginian. And I go, <laughs> no, you guys are your, I, I live here. You're, you're your own state. I, I, but So academically, so you decide you're here, you're going to play softball. Yeah. The radio station and the TV station are... And I, I would guess that's, um, and I always get his name wrong, but the he's uh, it starts with a K. He was very, very influential oh. in the department, in the Commodore. Oh, Jim Cardi? Cardi. Starts, starts with Cardi. a C, actually. C. Well, that might be why I always mess it up, because I thought it was a K. But yeah. he's, he's part of that department, and it's really starting to take its own. I mean, like you said, WVBC was, it, it's a Bethany PA. It was a Bethany PA system. Now, with it being online, it's a little different. Yeah, but yeah. So what was that first year like? And then we get into you running, basically being the lady on the on the radio. Yeah. So uh, the nice thing about uh, was my senior year, though, we did get a um, some big, huge grant was given to us and we got a, like a, a power increase to 50,000 watts, which was really cool for I mean, not as cool as being on the Internet for the you know kids today. But it was really cool because uh, now we were like a tri-state station, like people in Washington, PA could hear us and Steubenville, Ohio, uh, you know, West Virginia. So we were getting more than just like guys hanging out at the KA house, calling up and they requesting music, you know? Yeah. <laughs> um, but anyway, I started out in the beginning of my first thing in the radio station was with um, John Graham, who was the treasurer at the time. Uh, his his uh, daughter, Sherry, went, went, graduated with me and his son, Tim, was a couple years younger than me. 
And he did a show on uh, WBBC called uh, Monday Night Oldies. And it was a 50s doo-wop show. Uh, now I knew nothing about doo-wop, but I got asked to, to engineer the show for him. And I was like, I'm in, you know, I want to, I want to get in, get in, jump in right away. Right. So I engineered with him and then slowly he started to like pull me into the show. You know, he would like, it was, it sort of became us co-hosting after a while. Um, and he was fantastic. I mean, he and his wife, Linda, who just passed away recently, uh, you know, they would invite me to their home for dinner, you know, which was for me being so far away from home. That was really just fantastic. They were just amazing people. So I did that for a while. And then I started hosting my own show called The Magic Bus, which had a little bit of a cult following at Bethany. Uh, it was a 60s rock show. Okay. Yeah, it was. Um, <clears throat> they used to uh, used to air on Wednesday nights and every night, Wednesday night, the SAE house used to have like, they'd get like kegs together and they would listen to my show. And then after the show, I'd put my albums in a little box and I'd go up the hill and hang out and have a couple of beers, you know? Um, but uh, yeah, and, and actually I had a few professors that really would call in and were, were, were into the show. Mm -hmm. So that was really nice. Um, so that whole experience at WBBC was great. And then by the time I was, uh, I think it was my senior year, beginning of, the end of my junior year, uh, I got, um, the position of student manager. And uh, so, I, you know, basically ran the place with, uh, I have to give a shout out to uh, our music director at that time was Matt Mastrangelo, who ended up being the publisher of Rolling Stone magazine. Mm -hmm. so he turned out, he did well for himself. And, yeah. And uh, Hal Newman, who was our, um, our news director. And we had a great staff, you know, we had like, we were on the air, we had people in the chair on the air from 6 a.m. till 2 a.m., Monday through Sunday. So for really, there was four hours where it was just kind of on a loop, but everything else was something. It wasn't on a loop. It was just dark. There was oh. like, we signed off. Okay. We signed off and we would sign on. Um, the nice part was where we were, you know, that whole, uh, in Renner Union, that hallway, the long hallway, I think it's probably part of Com now. It was that was the admissions office. Okay. And then across the hall from the radio station was the bookstore. So we were in a fantastic spot. You know, people were coming and going, and we were there. We had that big glass window and spinning records, and you know, you had prospective students coming through, and um, it was just a lot of fun. Like it was always stuff happening. You know, at the radio station. So. When, and you, so you said you brought up the fun side of things and you said on your first day, you know, you drove down Main Street through, through town to Bubba's and whatnot. What was the Bubba's atmosphere like? Because this is Bubba's before for my generation, we always had the downstairs. Yeah. There is oh, yeah. No downstairs. It is a, there's a grass field back there. It's just the yeah. building, the brick building that you see. Yeah. Uh, what us old folks, we call that the annex because when the first time we walked in in that place, was we were like, whoa, because you have to imagine uh, when I was there, the four years I was there, the drinking age was 18. Mm -hmm. So you had the entire student body in Bubba's, just that first area, that top, you know, that main area. And uh, it was shoulder to shoulder people like every night, you know, you, you, you walked in with your beer and you're like, excuse me, excuse me, you know. Um, but uh, a funny story is uh, Chuck, who I love, Chuck Kern, you know, who I think, you know, passed away um, too early. Uh, uh, I hadn't come, come back for like five years and uh, I walked into Bubba's. I came back for home, my five year homecoming, you know, reunion. 
And I walked into Bubba's and I see Chuck there with his little baseball cap. They all wore baseball caps with their names on them. Woody, Chuck. Mm-hmm. And I walked in and I'm like, hey, Chuck, you remember me? And he's like, how can I forget you, Evelyn? Girl from the Bronx. <laughs> you know, I, I just Chuck in my head going, you're from the Bronx. Yeah. Well, I was shocked because, you know, how many kids have come through since I left? And he, <laughs> he actually remembered me, so... That was pretty cool. That just shows you like small town Bethany. That's what it's all about, you know. When, and you were part of a, a sorority on campus. Yeah, I was a Zeta. I was a Zeta. Um, I didn't even know what a sorority was when I got to college. <laughs> you know, I had seen like fraternities, Animal House and that stuff. I didn't even know anything about it. But <laughs> it's one of those things back then. Like, you know, we had um, we had seven fraternities and five sororities when I was there. Um, so it was like you know, I would say 80% or so of the student body was Greek. Okay. Um, and it just, you know, it became a thing like, okay, I'm going to go, I want to live where my friends are living. You know, once you get out of Phillips hall, you know, you got to decide where you live. So it was either live in Campbell hall, which was down on main street, which was just like cinder block rooms or join, you know, join one of the houses. So, yeah. So I joined Zeta and, uh, I had a great time there. I was pledged I was pledge uh, trainer one year, uh, vice president uh, there, and uh, we had a lot of fun. We had a lot of fun. Those are my still my best friends to this day. Well, and that's part of that the 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 Bethany experience as it is um, for yeah. a lot of the uh, like you said eighty percent probably because of the amount of houses and whatnot. And you got you got to be here at a point where there's you know Sigma News still thriving, KA still here. Oh, Alpha Sig's up at Point Breeze. SAEs where Alpha Sig is now. Um, there's KD. There's FIMU, Alpha Z, Delt, Phyta, and there's the one. So JC, this was why this was one of his questions. We could not remember the fifth sorority. So we had oh. KD, Pi Beta Pi, uh, Pi Beta Phi, Pi Beta Phi. I will let him know that it was Pi because we. We sat here yesterday, we sat here last week and just, we Blank. tried to pull it and he goes, I, I'm going to think of it. And I, and I saw him later in the night after we recorded and I said, do you think of who that sorority is? He goes, no, but you have Evelyn on next week. You better ask her because she'll remember. <laughs> oh yeah. I remember. Yeah. They were actually the only sorority that was on uh, old Parkinson's, the, the, the hill over by where now CV Campbell villages. Mm-hmm. Those were like faculty apartments back in the day, the ugly ones too. Um, but over there you had, uh, yeah, you had Delta, you had Delta, you had the Delta house, you had uh, Phi Ta, Pi Beta Phi, and then you had Goodnight and Woolery, which okay. were independent home, independent houses. And then on our hill, we had, um, you know, uh, uh, Sigma Alpha Epsilon, which they ended up, they ended up uh, losing their charter and uh, they made it an independent men's house called Overflow. Yeah, I had Ken on a couple months ago, and we finally disproved the myth that the SAEs blew up the steps behind the library. <laughs> uh, I would say Ken is convinced that it didn't happen. I've talked to some other alumni that were there around the time. They kind of give that shrug that you just gave where, no, I don't think they did that, but I'll tell you what they, I know they did do, and I think it was one of the reasons why they ended up finally losing their charter was they gave us back in those days wooden furniture in our lounges, this ugly block wooden furniture. It's like sofas and love seats and these wooden coffee tables. 
and all of us used to make fires behind our house. We didn't have those nice decks these guys have now. Yeah. We just had you walked out and it was either like dirt or mud, depending on the weather. <laughs> um, and so we would just build like these like little bonfires, you know, and uh, they one day ended up putting a sofa and a couch in the fire because <laughs> they ran out of wood. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, they burnt, they burnt the lounge furniture, the downstairs lounge furniture. And I think that was the final straw, along with other things that, you know, we won't talk about here. Yeah. So then on the athletic side, how was softball for that time? Because that's. Yeah, softball. Okay. So I came from a, I came from a, a really competitive high school team. We were, we had an undefeated season. We went to the city championship. We, we never won, unfortunately, but we went to the city championship twice. Mm -hmm. um, uh, we, we always got beaten by these girls in Staten Island. They just eat, drink and sleep softball out there. But um, so I came from a really competitive uh, background in um, a program. And uh, when I got to Bethany, it was kind of, um, yeah, the competition, mm, yeah. <laughs> it was, I was really like, really, these, this is the teams were playing. And then the, the coach, Sally Darwart, she left after my freshman, uh, freshman year. So sophomore year, they didn't even have a coach. And uh, we ended up getting a guy named Howie Seiler, who was an education professor. And he stepped in or else I don't know what we would have done. Um, but, you know, he just did it so that we could play, you know, and um, we did have fun. We just it wasn't what I was used to. And, you know, it, I knew it wouldn't be being a division three school anyway, but I didn't expect, you know, that it was going to be that non-competitive. I mean, what um, what uh, the way the program was, you know, in the re in recent years, uh, uh, you know, it was just completely turned around and we, we didn't even have that nice field. I mean, I came back one year, I saw the softball field with dugouts and everything. I was like, are you kidding me? We had like wooden benches that we sat on, you know, like we didn't have a wall, nothing. If it rained, we were out there, like, you know, uh, raking the mud out off the, off the infield. Um, but, uh, yeah, it, it, it was not, uh, it wasn't a priority. I'll put it that way. Women's softball was not a priority at Bethany college in the eighties. Well, and then on the academic side, you, you've already said you really like the idea of the small class sizes. Yeah. Um, what was, because I, I, I've heard different things to, through the generations of what Bethany changed academically where, you know, I, I think I, I interviewed Jack Hoffman and he talked about how on campus, the women couldn't be by themselves. They had to be escorted by somebody and they had to wear white gloves. Yeah, I'm not that old, man. Well, I'm not, I'm just, by the 80s, what was the, what was the academic culture? Uh, okay, I will say that, uh, you know, um, you didn't have a lot of people on academic probation or anything like that. I mean, believe me, um, there were a lot of parties going on. But I think that, um, you know, um, we had some, and we had some amazing professors. I mean, legendary Bethany professors, Larry Grimes, you know, Forrest Kirkpatrick, uh, you know, Hiram Lester, um, John Hall, uh, uh, Gail Thompson. I mean, these guys were just amazing. And um, so, you know, and, they, and there were a lot of them were there a long time, you know. Um, uh, so I think, yeah, I think uh, it, it wasn't as stringent back then, as, you know, back in the olden days. I mean, we did hear stories, you know, there was a woman named Miss Nick, uh, Darlene Nicholson mm -hmm. and uh, one of the things that I did one of my jobs I, I was uh, I was like a roadie she brought amazing talents to Bethany for entertainment because on the weekends nobody went home you know I, my godson went there in 2004 and his biggest 
uh, regret was that, you know, and he was from Cape Cod, so he couldn't, you know, he, he was stuck. Right. And uh, he would say on the weekends, it was like a ghost town. And I was like, I can't believe that on the weekends, you know, one of my, one of my sorority sisters was Nancy Chambers and she didn't even go home on the weekends. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so um, we, she bought amazing talent. We had like three dog night. We had the Ramones played at the field house. I'm talking the field house before the big, this before was before the addition. Yeah, before the before the renovation, we like to call it. Uh, <laughs> um, and they they were so loud, man. We were outside of the field house and we were screaming at each other to talk because that's how loud the Ramones were. Um, but Spyro Gyro, I mean, she, I don't know how she did it to bring these acts to this little tiny college in the middle of nowhere. But um, so yeah, we had it was great. Like everybody, the the weekends that place came alive on the weekends where what I heard. Yeah, and the weekend it was let's go, let's have, let's relax. Yeah. Right, exactly, exactly. Well, this is this is the point. I got to send it to a fellow alumni, Kieran KJ, done with Maple Shade Outdoors. Uh, we'll be we're gonna come back and we'll we'll take care of that that thing that connects us all. That that damn test. I I still have nightmares every time I do this show. I start talking. It's funny. Yeah. <laughs> um, Maple Shade Outdoors. If you're follow, if you haven't yet, go on Instagram, follow them. It's Maple underscore Shade dot Outdoors. Or the easier one, go on to YouTube, hit subscribe to them. Maple Shade Outdoors, no underscore, no dot. And then while you're on YouTube, hit subscribe to this show. Um, but KJ is he does everything outdoors. If you're into fishing, if you're into hunting, if you're just somebody who likes to go on hikes, the guy this this is this is what he loves to do, um, and he's a great supporter of the show. So we will be right back. This has been this is the Dingo Taco on my tour. I am Carla Guadagnino with class of 1985, Evelyn Del Cerro, uh, <clears throat> communication wall of famer, wall of famer, hall of famer, uh, wall of famer. <laughs> but we will be right back. What's going on, everybody? This is Kieran Dunn, founder of Maple Shade Outdoors. You're currently watching Dingo Talk with my man Carlo. If you're anything like me and you're really enjoying this content. You should like and subscribe his page. You, while you're on YouTube, you should probably just head over and like and subscribe Maple Shade Outdoors. Check out our page. Enjoy some videos, some outdoor content. You might as well hop on Instagram, Facebook, follow us, Maple Shade Outdoors. Now that's enough about me. I'm trying to get back and watch the rest of Dingo Talk. So I'll talk to y'all later. What's going on, Chuckleheads? I am Carlo Guadagnino. This is the Dingo Talk Alumni Tour. My guest is Evelyn Del Cerro, class of two thousand, class of nineteen eighty-five. <laughs> um, we left off. We were talking about all the different acts that Miss Nick brought in, being on the radio station, everything that Evelyn did in her time at Bethany. Now we're going to talk about that test that connects all of us. Uh, so let's talk about the week leading in, you know, the week of studying where I don't know if I don't know it, I don't know it. And if I know it, I know it. What was your week, that week like for you studying? And <clears throat> yeah, we used to call it, uh, I guess they still call it the reading period. Uh, and, um, you know, it was like, uh, you basically would get into study groups with people from your, from your, in your discipline, mm -hmm. um, and, uh, get ready for this test. And, you know, it's funny, I didn't know that I was going to have to take the comps when I applied to Bethany and accepted it. I've kind of read it in the fine print in the bulletin later on. And then once I got there, of course, people talk about it, you know. Um, but 
And when I tell people from here that I had to take this senior comprehensive exam to, in order to graduate, they're like blown away. Yeah. Plus people, I, I, you know, I was like, yeah, you have to take a test in every class in your major from your freshman year to your senior year. And even if you have a 4.0, you don't graduate unless you pass this test. And, um, you know, I, personally, now that I'm on the other end of it, I don't know why every college doesn't do it. I think there's, what is there? It's just like a handful of colleges in the country, like 12 or something. There is the, I know the Ivy leagues and it's not all of the Ivy league schools. No, I know there's like maybe four or five of them that still have it. And right. then there's, I believe three or four other small liberal arts colleges, similar to Bethany yeah. that still require that there's one public university. I know Somewhere in Pennsylvania, I want to say more east, like out towards Philly, it might be Strasburg or somewhere like that, that they require a similar test, but it's not, it's more of your senior project presented. Right, right. Yeah, because we, we and, and, and including comps, we also had to do the senior project, we had to do the four practicums, we had to do, you know, um, uh, this interdisciplinary uh, class that you had to take. But, um, you know, I, again, I, I, I think it's, after go having gone through it, you can't leave without having learned. You know, I felt uh, when I walked out of my orals, uh, I felt like I could sit down with anybody and talk about the theories of mass communication. You know, um, it's it was just you know, but it's a head game. You know, when you're going through it because you're all you're thinking about is if I don't pass this test, it's over. Yeah. Man. Yay, I'm done. So uh, yeah, so I ended up um, studying with some some of my. Um, fellow comm majors, but I did a lot of it on my own. Um, I'm like a, a person who, um, you know, I would go down in the library. I don't know if they still have them, but they had these like study rooms. Yep. There was like a couple of them that was just, it was like literally like a broom closet. It was just for one person and it had like a tiny little window in the door, you know, so somebody could look in and see if you were still alive. Just make sure. <laughs> okay. She's good. Right. <laughs> exactly. Um, and I would go down there and I would just like hide and I would um, just go over. I had, you know, um, index cards and I had, you know, legal pads and I had, you know, I always tell people the thing about comps is, you know, college kids today and most college kids, um, you know, after they're done with a class, they throw away the notebook, they sell the textbooks and, you know, they're done with it. They, it's like, it's history in one ear and out the other. Exactly. But, you know, when you have those comps, you can't do that. You, you got to go back and, you know, all that stuff that you you're getting out your old notebooks. And I was lucky enough my junior year to sit in on uh, one of my sorority sisters, one of my Zeta sisters uh, on her orals. So I, I actually had like an idea of what I was going to be in for. <laughs> which is which is an interesting thing that I don't think a lot of Bethany students know is an option for them even today. Yeah, you can, you can sit in as a junior, right? Yeah. I mean, you have to go to the professor and go the right way, but right. And also, the person taking them has to agree to it. Yeah, you know? uh, I don't think I would have wanted somebody sitting there because I literally was panicking in my orals. Um, but uh, but so yeah, so I had like an idea of what it was like, and you know, I always remember um, sitting there and after you know after the orals were were over, and you have these three professors like peppering you with questions and you know, you, then they ask you to like, leave the room. I, I took my conversation about you. Right. Right. So they can discuss whether or not you're going to graduate, you know? Uh, so, um, and we, I did mine in, um, uh, what's the building? Cochrane Hall. Mm -hmm. That was an academic building. Um, 
And uh, I remember being out in the hallway and I could hear my friends outside on the street, like just like talking and waiting. Cause you know, people come out and everybody pop champagne and you know, you did not want to be looking for the back door for Cochrane, no. you know? So I was uh, just sitting there and I was literally pacing up and down the hallway, like trying to see if I could listen, like <laughs> a little, get a glass up to the door. Exactly. I wish I had thought of bring, to bring a glass, you know, and you go in and you dress, you know, you're in, a, I was in a skirt suit, you know, and guys wear jacket and ties. It's, you know, it gives you also um, sort of practice for like your first, uh, you know, job interview. Mm-hmm. And when I took my first job interview, uh, that's what I, 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 I hearkened back to my time in orals and how I sat there and how I had to present myself. Um, so it, th- in that way, too, it was a good preparation. Um, but, uh, oh, yeah, I, I just sweated it out. But uh, thankfully, uh, I did pass. Well, <laughs> So, yes. So, uh, and uh, I got that beautiful piece of art, you know, the Bethany diploma. I have people come here and they look at my diploma. They think I went to medical school, you know, um, because that's that beautiful part of old Maine. That's, and it's just the way that it's done and the fact, the tradition oh. of it and that it's yeah. continued. It's all it's- in Latin hand signed by your professors and the board of trustees. It's just, you know, it's a beautiful piece of art, you know. So you talked about the, uh, the the fact that orals, you could hear your friends outside. Um, I had Gary Kappel on a little bit ago, and he said how when he graduated in the 70s, that wasn't a thing. You didn't find out that you passed comps when you walked, like when you finished your orals. He came back to be a teacher in the 80s, and it was this party for orals that you knew you you knew whether you passed or failed. Your friends were there, and he said it was one of those things where his Bethany was kind of it had changed, but it was a great tradition that is still to the. I mean, listen, I spilled a water cup in my before the Orioles even started. I remember Emmy Gamble pours me the water cup. I I I'm drinking it like my hand is going, and I go to put it down, and woof, all over the table. So. At that point, I, I opened comps with, uh, or orals with, all right, aside from me making everybody uncomfortable wet, um, please don't fail me. I, 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 I know my stuff. Give me a chance. Um, but it was, it is, it's one of those nerve wracking things. But the walkout, when you walk out and your friends are there, talk a little bit about that, just the feeling. Yeah, that was, I, mean, I took my, I took my comps in January. So, uh, you know, just because you take it in January, just if, you, if you mess up, at least you can do it again in, 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 uh, in May, you right. know? Um, and so, you know, um, all my friends were there. It was freezing cold. I remember it was like snowy. Um, they were all bundled up. They had, everybody had champagne and, uh, you know, uh, signs and everything and just like yelling congratulations. And, you know, after that, we all went back down in, to the Sigma New House. I had friends that lived down in the apartment at that time down there. Uh, that were home for uh, that were there during January term, mm-hmm. um, and uh, it's just like one big party, you know. And then the nice thing about taking them in May is that in June, uh, I mean January rather, that in in May when they have the next reading period, it's like a like a free week, you know. You're so, done. You're <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we went up to a friend, uh, one of my friends, uh, her father had a cabin on like uh, up in outside of Pittsburgh, and a bunch of us who had taken our comps. We went up there for the week and just hung out. And all we had to do was come back and walk, you know? 
So, you know, graduation comes and then you, did you go, so you, you went and got your master's at the new school? Yeah. Uh, 15 years later. Um, okay. Yeah, I did. Uh, I went back to graduate school because uh, about 15 years later, this thing came out that, that was called um, the internet. <laughs> and uh, I had a feeling it was going it was to gonna be something. I had a feeling it was going to. I had a feeling it was going to catch on. I was, no, I, I really believed that it was going to change. You know, my industry and that, that if I needed to get on board, or I was going to get left behind. So, uh, so yeah, I went back. Uh, it was a fifteen-year gap. Uh, so, um, I didn't go back. I didn't go right from from undergrad. But uh, yeah, after I graduated, I went back home, and and. Um, you know, everybody told me at that time, oh, you know, in, in, in communications, the best thing to do is work in a small station, go down to Wheeling or something, get experience and then go to, you know, then you go to the big markets. But uh, I was like, no, man, I'm from New York. I'm going home, you know, I'm going home. I ran the radio station. Everybody's going to want to hire me. <laughs> so how did that experience work out? So you're <laughs> not so great. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, um, it was about two years um, of me looking for work. Uh, you know, also, you have to remember, this was before cable TV. So the, you know, there was only like the three networks. CNN had just started, but they were, they didn't even really have offices in New York. They were mostly out of Atlanta at that time. Okay. So, um, you know, I, I wanted to get into television or radio. So I, I sent out a letter. I had to, you know, we didn't have Indeed or Monster, you know, no database. You literally had to buy the Sunday New York Times, get the classified section, and go look. these ads that were like this big, you know, and in alphabetical order of the company. So it wasn't even like you could find the comm jobs. You had to look through, go through plumbers, you know, carpenters. You know? Um, and, uh, and then you had to write a letter <laughs> and send it with your resume. So I did, I sent it out to every radio station in New York and every um, TV, all the three TV stations in New York. Mm -hmm. And I basically got back um, <clears throat> the same form letter from all of them. It was like, it was always in three paragraphs. First paragraph was, dear Evelyn, thank you for your interest in our company, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> uh, unfortunately, we are going with another candidate, blah, 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 blah. And then the third paragraph was, good luck in your job search, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> you know? So I had like a stack of those, you know? Um, and I was kind of crushed because I was like, I, you know, I really wanted to, to get into, you know, into my field. So I spent two years working at a commercial photography lab, uh, Monday to Friday. And on the weekends, I taught swimming lessons and lifeguarded. Uh, so I was working seven days a week because I know those student loans were coming up due pretty soon. Uh, you know, and I had to get on that. Um, <clears throat> but um, yeah, uh, about uh, in 1988, uh, it was like March or so I got an interview. Um, my godmother, I think it was my godmother. It's going, we're going back a long time here, but she, she came to me, she found an ad in the paper for a job at a place called Fairchild Publications. And she's like, Evelyn, you should apply for this job. It's a production assistant, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, I'm not interested in publishing. I want to get into, you know, I want, I want to do radio or TV. And she's like, but look on the bottom, it says, uh, Oh, an ABC American Broadcasting Company. She goes, it's owned by ABC. So maybe if you get in there, it'll be easy to move around. And the course, right. And of course, I was like, that's ridiculous because I was, you know, a know it all at that time. And, 
you know, you don't realize how much your elders learn, you know, how, how smart they actually are until you get older. <laughs> um, but so I applied because I had like no bites anyway, you know, so I said, all right, I'm going to apply for this job, whatever. I need a job. And uh, I got the job. Um, I was a production assistant for uh, Women's Wear Daily. And uh, I did that for a couple of years and finally was able to get a job. Uh, yeah, she was right. Once I got in, they had job listings for internal positions. And I would go every Monday, they would have this like in the in the lobby, they'd have a box with this sheet of paper with all the internal jobs that were available. And I saw one that said ENG transport coordinator for World News Tonight with Peter Jennings. And I said, I don't know what an ENG transport coordinator is, but, but, but yeah, it said entry level on the first line. So I applied for the job. Uh, I went in and somehow I BS'd my way through that interview. I don't know how I did it, but you know, um, the guy, I don't know, we just got along and, um, I got, I got the job. The cool part about that job was I showed up on my first day of work. Okay. And the, the, my boss meets me by the elevator and he's like, okay, I want to bring you into where you're going to be working. So I'm like, all right, cool. You know, we walk, we open this door, we walk into the network newsroom. There's Peter Jennings desk. There's all these cameras. There's all these tables. It's a working newsroom behind Peter Jennings. And he walks me over to my desk and my desk was literally right behind Peter Jennings' shoulder. So when the news was on- You're right here. Every night, I was the person sitting behind him, typing, answering calls. Like my <laughs> friends would call it, be like, I see you on TV, you know? I had no idea that, that that's where I would be. Um, so yeah, so I did that. And what I did for them, I, you know, I went from, from coordinator to supervisor to manager. Uh, I managed all the, uh, what's called the ENG, electronic news gathering uh, crews. So we sent them out whenever they did any shoots outside the studio. Um, you know, the assignment editors would come over and say, you know, we need to send a crew here. And just domestically, they, you know, we had a foreign desk that handled uh, any, all the international stuff, but we did the whole country. Um, but I was part of every big news story. I mean, you know, um, all the elections, presidential elections, um, Princess Diana dying, um, plane crashes, uh, the big one, 9-11, I was there for. Um, <clears throat> so uh, it was a great, a great uh, experience and I loved it. Um, but uh, after 9-11, the job sort of changed. And, uh, you know, I just decided that uh, I need, I was just getting burned out. I mean, we were working like, uh, you know, 16, 18 hours a day, six days a week. Um, and that seventh day you're sleeping to catch back up, to go back to. Right. Exactly. You know, we would do that if there was a big news story, like if, a, you know, we had a big plane crash, you know, in Long Island, uh, and, and things like that, it would, we would work that way, but for like two, three weeks, and then it would go back to normal. Yeah. And then we'd sort of be waiting for like the next big story, you know, um, doing all little things here or there. We also did, um, support for Nightline and Good Morning America, um, so uh, I had a colleague that I worked with at ABC News uh, that was working at WABC, which is the local station that's owned by ABC. Uh, the, the New York, they own eight stations. They're called the O&Os. And uh, ABC is the flagship station, WABC. Uh, and he said, hey, there's a job over here for operations manager in programming, and it's, you'd be perfect for it. It's Monday through Friday, nine to five. Because as I said, also, in, in, when you're working in news, you know, it's a, it's a lifestyle, you know, news was even this was before the cable news, but, you know, we had shifts, you know, when you're the new person, you're working four to midnights, you know, 
you're working Saturdays, you're working Sundays. I worked every Christmas, Easter, you know, all the holidays. You make good money by working the holidays. You make double time and a half. And oh, yeah. <laughs> at that time, you know, when you're young, you're like, I, I just want to make money, you know. But, uh, you know, after I started, you know, I started to get a little older and it, it just started to burn me out. So I decided it was time for a change. And uh, I applied for a job over at WABC uh, and, and I got the position. Uh, and at that time, it was working for um, we, we produced a show called uh, Live with Kelly and Ron, um, Live with Regis and Kelly. And uh, another funny story is when I got there for my first day of work, my boss met me by the elevator and said, let me bring you to your office. And now I, I moved up from like a workspace to an office. And uh, I walk into my office and uh, I'm sitting there and I, you know, I realized that I'm, my office is right next door, like literally shared a wall with Regis Philbin. <clears throat> so one day I'm sitting like two, I'm there two days, you know, and he comes walking by and he's walks by my office doors open he looks in and he's like so are you my new neighbor and I'm like oh like that's Regis Philbin like television icon man you know I was like uh yeah you know so he comes in he sits down I had I had a couch you have a couch in my office and he's like so where are you from I said I'm from the Bronx Regis grew up in the Bronx so right away we bonded and it was kind of cool um you know he was great guy just recently passed away yeah. um which was i was devastated about that but um uh you know it was great i mean um so i did i do all their programming their fcc compliance or music rights and licensing and i've been there since 2003 so in total i have 33 actually last week last week was my 33rd anniversary with abc so if you're if you're somebody right now that is at bethany and congratulations, because that's the 33 years with, with any company. I mean, you don't see that. It's a, it's a foreign thing because, you know, every job has another job attached to it that uh, I might have been here for a couple of years, but got my feet wet. Now I'm going to move over to here. Right. Uh, so it'd be one place, well, two places, but one. Yeah, I mean, I was in three different divisions, uh, a merger. We got bought by, uh, by Walt Disney Company uh, in my 15th year um, and survived it all. So, yeah. Uh, for the, the, the Bethany student right now, that, that is a calm person that thinks as I, as I also did, like you said, I, I ran a TV station. I, I was the host of all these shows. Everybody's going to want to hire me that stack of letters that you, that you got. That was the, the three paragraphs. That's the business, right? Yeah. That's part yeah. of the whole, what you're getting into is your Syracuse, your, uh, Northwesterns, your, your Bethany's, there's a big difference between big school to small school. And yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, um, I would say that it's a lot harder too for students today because most of the jobs in our industry right now in television, for sure, um, you know, have gone by the way of freelance or what they call permalance. So you get these young people, you pay them, you know, dirt money and no benefits. And, uh, you know, you just hope that you stay on long enough or that you can stay on long enough financially uh, to get a permanent position. We didn't really have that back in my day. So I really was at the right time, you know, because um, when you got when I applied for a job, it was it was a, it was a staff position. You know, yeah. you, you, there was no such thing as this but somewhere along the line they determined like oh wow you know and it, it really um was born out of sports because uh they would do that with 
you know, the um, ABC sports would do that during baseball season. They'd hire all these people, you know, for baseball season. And then they were like, when baseball season was over, they were still paying them. So then they decided, well, you know what, we're just going to uh, have them hire for the season. We're going to give them this status of permalance. Mm -hmm. So they're, you know, they're, they're, they, they get steady work. They're working, you know, a, you know, five days a week, you know, 40 hours a week, if not more. And then when baseball season's over, it's like, we'll see you next season, you yep. know, good luck. <laughs> right. So, so it's much more difficult now, um, you know, and on the broadcast end, I'm talking, you know, it's a little different in, in sale, ad sales or marketing or, you know, uh, finance and the other, the other, um, you know, components of, of broadcast, but in the, in the technical part, you know, the production part, the uh, programming that that's, that's basically what it's like now. So, but it's, it's all about, you know, it, it's, you just have to be able to take rejection and get knocked down and get, pick yourself back up and just keep trying. I mean, I just, you know, sometimes would wear people down, you know, I would just like, um, I just wanted it so bad. And I would use, you know, how, what I learned at Bethany and, you know, I, I would, I would, I think the reason why I got the job at ABC news was because, you know, I started talking about, I said, oh, you know, I have what I call these core skills, you know, time management, logistics, you know, uh, critical thinking, you know, I just was making this up as I was going along. <laughs> um, but, you know, I wanted them to see that because I was coming from publishing and they were like, how does that translate to working in, in broadcasting? Well, yeah, I mentioned what I did in college, but I also mentioned that, hey, even though I was I was working for a daily newspaper and we had deadlines, you know, we still had to get, you know, the 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 the, uh, the paper to print to the printing press on time. So, you know, I had all of that logistical work to do. And I just, you know, made myself sound like something that, you know, way bigger than I was. But hey, it worked. So um, so the last question, uh, I, I think everybody's going to enjoy this when they see it. Uh, but the last question is, it's a two-parter. Uh, the first part is, you were a Division Three athlete. At the beginning of Division Three, and like you said, Division Three here at Bethany women's softball was not a focal point. But if you're talking to somebody from, from the Bronx that's looking to go to a smaller school, why Division Three, and then why Bethany? Well, you know, obviously division three is a lot less pressure. You know, you can really enjoy the game. Um, I found uh, even, I, I almost felt like uh, going from my high school program to the Bethany program, it was almost like a step down because it was so intense in high school. And, but I found that I enjoyed playing more, you know, uh, in college. And actually I, up until last year, when the pandemic hit, I have been playing softball uh, I haven't missed a season since 1977, my freshman year in, in high school. I play in a rec league here and I play for WABC. Uh, you know, we played in Central Park for my, in a co-ed league for my job. So, you know, I learned, you know, I feel like you can you can really enjoy the game. You know, you don't have that pressure. Uh, you know, there's less competition and you can, you know, you can be, you, you can make the team and be an integral part of the team without having to be a superstar. You know, you, maybe you're not the best athlete, um, but you enjoy playing the game. You know, you have more of an opportunity. So I would say opportunity, big thing. Um, why Bethany? Bethany, because I would say, you know, uh, I know they, they've gotten this moniker recently called a, a small school of national distinction, you know, because 
uh, especially during my era, we have some amazing graduates. Marie de Paris, uh, you know, who was a vice president for uh, Sportsnet, uh, Dave Sims, the voice of the Seattle Mariners, uh, Faith Daniels, who was an anchor for CBS uh, Morning News, um, Bob Orr, another um, uh, correspondent for CBS. I mean, we just, we had people that like went places, yeah. you know? Um, you know, you look at the wall of, you talked earlier about the, the Bethany wall of fame, you know, I was lucky enough to be part of that inaugural class. And when I got my letter, I was looking at these other people and I was like, I don't even think I belong here. <laughs> you know, these people were like Jeffrey Siegelin, you know, these people were top, not, you know, top notch, in, uh, folks. So I think that, you know, because it's small, the opportunities that you have, it's great. You know, you can, if you want to be a, join the theater, you can join the theater. You don't have to be a theater major. You know, if you want to have a radio show, you don't have to be a comm major. Um, you know, you can take advantage of so much in a smaller school. And I think that is what lends itself to, uh, to being something that's worth looking at, you know, especially if, if you're a person like myself, I was a big doer in high school, you know, I was vice president of my senior class. I was play softball, basketball, you know, yearbook, school newspaper. So I was a doer, you know. So when I came to Bethany, that's what I was hoping to do. And I did get those opportunities. So I would say that uh, it opens you up. You know, you don't you don't have to be in bigger schools, you know, oh, you, you're not going to be at a production because you're not a theater major, you know. Yeah. Um, so opportunity is the big thing for sure for sure and uh you know i think that a lot all of that is what prepared me for my career well i wanted to say thank you very much for being a part of the dingo talk alumni tour for those of you that don't know if you've made it this far and you don't know who this is this is evelyn del cerro class of 1985 is not as i said earlier 2085 we're not even there yet so um uh but i have to send it to harry chambers with uh, Jack Hoffman, and he does a segment now. It's called Jack's Facts, History as It Happened, uh, where Jack tells us everything that happened in his time here in Bethany. And then that will lead on to Harry explaining everything about the, the, the store. Um, if you're in Bethany and you haven't stopped at Chambers, you didn't come to Bethany. And if you've gone into Chambers and you found something that they don't have, you might be the only person in the history of the world because if Chambers doesn't have it, you don't need it. Um, but Evelyn, thank you very much for joining me. Yes. Thanks so much for the invite. This was great. I had a good time. Um, and you know, there might be another show somewhere down the line. We get every, we get a couple people back and we do a calm gathering or something. We, we do like a round table. That would be awesome. That would be awesome. Thanks oh, so much. Absolutely. And, uh, thank you again for being on the show. I am Carla Guadagnino. This is the Dingo Talk alumni tour. This week's guest was Evelyn Del Cerro, class of 1985. Um, but take it away, Harry. Uh, for those of you athletes out there, um, November 13, 1943, Bethany played WVU in Mountaineer Field in Morgantown. Anybody see that happening today? You ready for that, Coach Garvey? Come on, let's just let's make a challenge. So, just a picture of the flyer that was out there. Well, they played a lot of teams. There was actually baseball. They played Pitt, Army, uh, Ohio State early before they were forming the, the leagues that they... And they actually they competed fairly well, didn't they, back then? Back then, yeah. 
father wasn't in recruiting that Bethany played Navy in basketball as late as the 50s when uh, Robinson played for them for Navy what was his first name I'm not, not sure on that one. He, was, he turned pro after he got out of the Navy. He didn't have to serve his uh, time in the Navy. Okay, that'll work. You've just watched another exciting episode of Dingo Talk, recorded in the secret lair deep in the hills of Bethany, West Virginia. Let me give a shout out to my man Don over at Maple Shade Outdoor. He got some great, he's got some great stuff going on over there on YouTube and Instagram. Please make sure you check him out. Also, now available as promised, we have the second edition Bethany, West Virginia, Mushroom Capital of the World t-shirts and our Chambers General Store. If we don't have it, you don't need it t-shirts. Available in all sizes. So, make sure you stop by the store for a t-shirt, breakfast sandwich, our sausage biscuits and gravy, and make sure to check out those daily lunch specials. Now back to you, Dingo. Bye now.